0: Those are secrets. Those are now, girl secrets. Okay, now we are. Testing, one, two, secret time. Hello and welcome to the Antifada, where unrest is best. I'm Jamie Peck.
1: I'm Andy.
0: And we are here with my good friend, Sophie St. Thomas. She is an author, published yes. author, a poetess, a sex Ooh. witch, a journalist. What else? Pa- podcaster podcaster oh shit yeah. I almost forgot about that podcaster yeah I
2: send in the edits of my first book tomorrow morning that's what ah, I do when I leave here
0: that's very exciting you and Andy you're in the same boat you're doing edits
1: we're gonna be in direct competition with one another
2: Wait, are you writing about weed no oh, okay <laughs> Wait, what are you doing
1: uh, I guess it's not so direct competition. I wrote a book about uh, Latin American Trotskyism and, oh. and UFOs.
2: Oh, wait, well, I mean, okay. Con- con- what's 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 that called?
1: It's called "I Want to Believe."
2: High people
1: will like it. Yes,
2: I am a high person. Is that what you just said? High like stoned. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, then I count. We're off to a great start. I think I'm high culture too, though. I'm high high society. Are you high right now? A little bit. Do
1: you have anything I can? Endorse?
2: Yeah, I have a vape pen, and I also I have a. I'm allowed to be high right now because I have a marijuana card
1: uh-huh. and
2: I have these little uh, me weed- too really yeah. oh no. dope <laughs> but I have these weed pills you can see if you want and they just say like medical marijuana like you could okay. they-
0: yeah, they look I'll like- just take
1: the pen if that's strictly right. yeah, yeah,
0: on the up and up oh my god I forgot to mention Sophie I have one uh-huh. of your vape pens that you left on the table the other night when we were all hanging out at Talon Bar and everyone got so you guys all got oh, so that stoned that crazy. you just peaced the fuck out Wait, super hard are you
2: sure it was mine I don't think I would leave mine behind well I'm too good
0: of a stoner somebody somebody left not only a vape pen but one of those uh charger packs for your iphone i don't think it was me but i'll look at it yeah Yeah. i should have brought it that vape i just
2: passed you yesterday i was at a fashion show at fashion week for the models had like a clothing designer but then they were all carrying a vape fashion show it was yeah it was a cannabis the models were vaping weed on the runway out of that vape except they were like more elaborate kinds damn dude I know we did, and the after party was at a sex club, and all these things are all my beats. And I was just like, I, I, have turned, I've, I've turned the world into my ways. <laughs> no, everyone's Hell been smoking yeah. weed and fucking. This rubber. is the future that it.
0: communists want. <laughs> this is what yeah. we're about to talk about so yeah, much. Absolutely. But I guess first I should um, tell you guys a little bit about my trip
2: that I was on. I would like to hear about it because I heard about it the other mm-hmm. night from debbie at a witch party oh man yeah
0: for those not in the know debbie is my best friend and she is she's witch. my
2: coven sister
0: sophie's coven sister me and sophie are like eskimo sisters somehow through debbie Prob- i guess yeah probably
2: That's another, not what that means yeah
0: ways <laughs> we
2: could do a chart platonically later. yeah platonically um but yeah
0: what did she tell you i'm curious
2: um she i don't know if i'm outing her but she was saying she had tripped lsd for the first time oh yeah and so I was just talking about how great it was. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I oh she could. talked about driving across the
0: border. We did not drive across the border. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> we walked was across like, the it was border. So, walked across the border, yeah.
1: You drove across the border between our reality and that's natural. True. Well, that's true.
0: We did drive across the border from reality to the hallways of all which is always a super fun time. Um, yeah. Well, what do we do? Um, I needed a vacation. Uh, Debbie needed a vacation Mm -hmm. we all of our friends we like to do group birthday gifts so we all paid for Debbie's ticket for her birthday happy birthday Debbie we love you and yeah I went to LA I had a couple days there where I could visit my friends shout out to all my LA friends I miss you guys so much Mm -hmm. Um, me and Debbie took a little side trip to Tijuana where we walked across the border it's kind of nuts I didn't realize you can take the just a normal San Diego street trolley there, I, I, I didn't know
2: any of this either until she told me at the bar the other night.
0: Yeah you, yeah. you take it like 45 minutes to the end of the line and you can just walk across the border. You're right there. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're American and white, it yeah. helps. You can just walk across the border. Otherwise you might have Sorry, some problems. And it was really, it was really bizarre to see it in person Yeah, because we talk about the border a lot on this show, but it's sort of this bizarre hypothetical. And then to see it, IRL. How,
2: what, what, how did it compare to your expectations?
0: I mean, I've seen it before. Me and Debbie, actually, the first time we went to Mexico, maybe like 10 years ago, we walked across the border at Nuevo Laredo. But Uh um, it's just fucking weird, man.
2: Because I've never seen it. I've been to Mexico, but I've been to like Baja or parts. I've never crossed the border. So in my head, it's such this intense.
1: I went to San Diego from Tijuana. I didn't go the other way. And when I went to San Diego, there's a great, uh, you know, a photo of Donald Trump greeting you when you get across. But then I I went the other way. Sounds like a
0: warning. Yeah. (laughs) uh,
1: um, To Nogales, I think, uh, which is a border town in Arizona, and I just like walked directly across. I was supposed to get my passport stamped, and I didn't, which was like a problem for me later. Um, But yeah, the people in front of me just got arrested immediately. I think they were basically turning themselves in. Uh, But then the first thing I saw when I got across to Nogales was just a guy in a dumpster filled with trash. And I thought the first thing I saw when I got to Mexico was a dead body in a dumpster. But he wasn't. He was alive, which is also concerning about yeah. why he was in there. Uh, but yeah, then I took a bus to Hermosillo, which is a bit nicer.
0: Was the guy you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just maybe the Mexican version of me.
0: It's a running joke on this show that Andy loves trash. It's a oh, joke about it. Yeah, him. it's a joke. It's, it's just joke? I don't a joke? really
1: love eating and swimming an,
2: Is this <laughs> metaphorical?
1: Yeah. or literal uh, or
2: both it's,
1: it's it little. sounds both yeah but it's it's, it's like a, a hobby. little bit it's
0: more of a <laughs> it's lifestyle a... <laughs> it's
1: something between like a compulsion i
0: don't know i feel like the movie trash humpers would be like really good porn for you
1: <laughs> is that really what that movie's about yes <laughs> okay what did I you think it was about,
0: about it's li- you know it's harmony korean at his most self-indulgent It's literally like some kind of like mock Is it, is it a documentary? Is it a mockumentary? I don't fucking know. I'm not going to look it up, but these are people who literally like to hump trash. What does it for them? I don't know. This is like important research for your, for your beats. I mean, some people eat shit,
1: you know, trash is, you know, there might be shit in there. I used to think that
2: people being into shit was like far out. And now I'm, it's like almost vanilla to me. Yeah, 2009 that shouldn't be. <laughs> you not know, like just just not in my personal life. I, I you know, I am not i I've never experienced it in my personal life, but you know, I have a, so many friends that are dominatrixes, and it's a very common request. Yeah, I just like I've have the knowledge that so many people are into it. Yeah. yeah.
0: You wouldn't think it would be so common.
1: You got to get your money's worth. You got to ask for something really crazy. It's called
2: it's called the full the full toilet. Uh-huh. as opposed to just like piss Oh
0: um, boy. you know there we go follows the lives of a small group of sociopathic elderly people in nashville tennessee oh wow sociopathic three elderly elderly people. vagrants Fun. in halloween masks spend their nights humping rubbish bins and their days befriending like-minded individuals <laughs> in this quizzical <laughs>
1: comedy
2: from harmony corinne there you go interesting the more you I'm know gonna google when i get home
0: yeah so, so you're
1: talking about tijuana yeah. as i recall
0: yes yeah in yes. california Mm-hmm. yeah so we walked across the border to Tijuana we stayed right on the beach it was pretty cool ate a lot of mariscos. um didn't make it to El Comedor unfortunately but I am throwing a benefit show for them which I will be announcing very fucking soon I'm very excited to be resurrecting my Halloween party as a benefit for this mutual aid center in Tijuana that helps migrants stay alive while the state is basically trying to murder them and uh let's see we had fun we had what do we do? What the fuck did we even do? We saw some cool we art. Took LSD in California. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, we walked back over the border to San Diego, um, went back to LA, and then we went to Joshua Tree, mm. and that was a really good place to. I've never been there to take a psychedelic desert journey. Um, the colors in the sky are just off the fucking chain. I mean, it's possible that I was just seeing shit, but I don't think so. I don't usually see shit that's not there. The colors just get way uh-huh. more intense. And not one, but two of my friends had never done acid before. And I pride myself on being a really good drug mom. So um, I did. That's I did some. Cool I momed. I mommed pretty hard. There uh, were times that was. That I were, want to trip with you. Okay. Like you heard seriously. it here first, folks. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie and Sophie. <laughs> acid it's, Mommy, on. Jamie. <laughs> it's on, Jamie. It's on. My friend, my friend Sam wrote me a song called "Acid Lady" that Ooh. is like hilarious. Acid lady, acid bitch queen, that kind of thing. I like bitch queen. Yeah, I like it too. I feel very seen. Yeah. And then we swam in the pool a lot, and we. Did this in a rainstorm, which was probably a bad idea because there was lightning, but it was just too good to pass up. There was a rainstorm in the desert. We were walking around in this shit. Like, this is a very rare occurrence, apparently. In, no, it sounds stunning. In Joshua Tree. We were watching the sky light up with lightning, and the rain was like, it, it seemed like there should be more rain than there was, but it was just kind of a soft rain, and we were watching the storm roll in and just walking around in it like, fuck, man, fuck, That sounds awesome. That sounds so good. Yeah. And then the next day, it was so good. And then the next day, we went to uh, Palm Springs and hung out at the pool at the Ace Hotel all day long, which sounds, as I'm saying it, like a very bougie and off brand thing for me to do. But it actually doesn't cost anything to get into the pool. And, you know, you're going to want to buy drinks periodically, but like I would be doing that anywhere. And I didn't drink that much because I had to drive everybody back. But um, yeah, it was me, Debbie, uh, Pauline. Shout out to Pauline and Cassie. Shout out to Cassie. Uh, you're, I'm, I'm very proud of Cassie right now. Her band Vivian Girls just got back together. And oh she nice. Showed us her new video Ooh. and it is off the chain.
2: I like that band.
0: Yeah, they're super good. So let's see. Uh, then I went on Hassan Piker's tw- on Hassan Piker's Twitch stream which is a thing that our fans had been asking for for a while. So I drove to his goddamn house in West Hollywood. Uh-huh. And uh
2: I've never driven in LA. I don't like to drive, I don't know, but how was how was the Twitch?
0: It was great. I kind of do like driving in LA. It's kind of novel. I mean, when you get stuck in traffic it sucks, but like I I did this earlier in the trip actually. My friend Tassie lent me his uh yellow beater car which um it shows you where his priorities lie that this car barely runs and it does not have air conditioning, but it has a very but good sound system. It looks awesome. It looks awesome. It's like a it looks little, good in the music. A little it yellow good. lemon drop. Uh-huh. And it has a good sound system. And I was just driving around LA. Oh, I made a pilgrimage. You'll appreciate this, Sophie. I made a pilgrimage to the brick and mortar Dolls Kill store did you really which is like holy shit that's awesome (laughs) for those not in the know this is like mecca for gothic sluts it is it is the mecca of gothic sluts for sure
1: oh is that that really big sex store in echo park no
2: it's It's not a sex store it's like cheap, pot sexy goth clothing
0: it's basically the delia's catalog but for people who go to burning man yeah like it's literally owned by delia's
1: it's a big black building
0: oh yeah um is that kink.com no. no, that's based on San
1: Francisco. No, the Pink it
0: is. castle is no longer
2: there. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: I, I like the meme, though, that was going around. Like, I didn't see it. Bernie Sanders wants to raise your taxes, and yet he just bought this second <laughs> yeah. home. And it's like the fucking kink.com com fortress. I'm I'm like, this one's for the real heads.
2: Oh, my God. That's so
0: funny. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> Bernie. Like,
1: We've all read his essay. <laughs> True, true. Just fucked up essay from the 70s. <laughs> Depraved.
0: Seriously, seriously, decadent. So, yeah. <laughs> so I,
1: let's get back to Hassan. How I, did he smell?
0: Yeah, oh, well, that's burying the lead, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't really smell him. It was weird because, like, all right, I'd been wanting to, like, hang out and talk shop with him because uh, I feel like he and I are engaged in some similar media projects, mm-hmm. some similar left Media, there's trappy projects, but um, he he streams for like six hours a day. Wow. So he was streaming when I got there, and he was still streaming when I left. <laughs> I'm not gonna stay there for fucking six hours. Like, what do you even do for that amount? Does of he time? talk the whole time? Pretty much. Like he told, I asked him, I'm like, what do you do when you don't have someone on? And he was like, oh, I I pretty much talk the whole time. If you hadn't noticed, I really like to talk, um, I- including on my show, agit prop. Like I feel like. I feel like almost he was a little bit nervous about the fact that he talked too much when I was on his show, which I appreciate because he kind of did, <laughs> but, uh, I like him very much. I think he's really fucking cool. Um, I didn't smell him. He did offer me vegan ice cream sandwiches and then failed to deliver, mm. which was oh wow, kind of annoying. Like he son. forgot. Uh, yeah. He was like, by the end of it, he's like, Oh, it would take an hour for them to get here. So sorry. <laughs> and I was like, dude. So he it's does hard. owe me some vegan ice cream sandwiches. That sounds so good. Was
1: he feeling okay after the Dan Crenshaw oh my God. cancellation?
0: He seemed to have recovered nicely. Yeah, he yeah. seemed
1: pretty upset.
0: Yeah, I mean, any, any of us would be.
1: The entire conservative media was going after him. I just,
0: didn't see this.
1: He, they just, um, he made a joke about uh, a brave mujahideen fucking Dan Crenshaw's eye out. <laughs> um yeah. and so <laughs> right
0: out of its socket somebody
1: and he actually <laughs> he also said he actually that, i guess he realized that it was kind of too far and like
0: <laughs> he also said that america deserved 9-11 which is objectively true <laughs> oh my god well the so chickens I,
1: came home from roost i don't know i like fucked up yeah. humor
0: don't ask
2: me while i'm on
0: air it not, was
1: i mean it was humor he's not
0: a, americans a, not the people who actually died uh-huh. but america as an entity
1: well Anyway, uh, he's a bit of an edge lord <laughs> on the stream. He yeah. got he got those clips like taken, and just they were on Tucker. They were just like it was like the conservative talking point one Monday. Like uh, every okay. that makes sense. Everyone went after him at once. Like they, I think they're just realizing that the socialists are doing well with media all of a sudden, and they have to start attacking people.
2: Yeah, and, try, and, and they
1: tried literally just trying to platform to him, calling people, for yeah. Google, Facebook twitch everybody to take oh god yep
0: yeah and people are watching his twitch 24 7 to see like just waiting for him to say something that they Mm -hmm. can use to get him in trouble like this was a coordinated right wing attack and i was talking to him about this shit because i'm like how do you deal with this stuff i'm dealing with it too do you just show no fear and be like bring it on bitch do you uh reveal to your you know your fans your listeners your your intimate parasocial relationships—that uh, it bothers you. Like, what do you do? And he basically gave me an answer that wasn't all that helpful for me because he's like, "Well, I'm not that scared because I'm a big guy and I work out a lot. And what I'm jacked? The- so like, no one's gonna, no one's really gonna fuck with me. You, on the other hand, I don't, I'm not so sure. And I'm like, okay, that makes me feel so much better. Oh my
2: god, I don't like that. Just like, kidding. Are you? The answer. Are you also like that's not what I. Like, meant?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. He told me, gave me his honest answer, yeah. I guess. Um, he is a hunk, I must say. Yeah, he is. He is. And uh, I would love to go on his show again sometime. I know they're still working out the kinks. That gets, um, you have to pull really hard because it gets clogged, by the way.
1: Oh, no, it's working fine. Okay, good. I was just admiring it.
0: So, um, I feel like we should talk a little bit about how you and I met Sophie. We met at Death and Taxes. Mm-hmm.
2: what what other what what directions are we taking this
0: um so i was working at this place death in texas that is no longer with us um Uh and i've talked i've talked a lot of shit on my boss in the past so um this is like not new information for people but um it's new information that sophie was there and she was like a freelancer and she would come into the office
2: sometimes kind of i would come in like two days a week or something like that
0: yeah yeah we would uh do a few nights so we would get lunch sometimes and talk shit about our horrible boss who sexually harassed us. Well, yeah, and it was kind of a nice bonding experience. It was. I just
2: remember because I did like two days in the office then like two nights. And during all of the night shifts when it was like just me posting, he would just like pop in slack. And I could tell he was drunk. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, you're like drunk, just drunk slacking me. But it would. Yeah, nothing. Things are not supposed to say to someone. Who, who works for you.
0: No, he's like one of those bosses who has no friends. So he makes his employees and the people he has power over be friends with him to the degree that he can.
2: Yeah. Except it's not just like sappy, like, man, I'm going to be in like slack drunk all night with you while you're trying to do your job. Like it's, then he has to like throw in the like sexual harassment element. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that definitely makes it worse. And that's Which why, just- that's why I don't feel bad for saying he's a fucking loser right here on this podcast where everyone can hear. You may also hear me dragging on him in the uh, the Street Fight and Trillbillies live show, which means TV recorded. I don't know if it's up there yet, but oh my God, it was so good, Sophie. It was yeah. so good like what happened i was i was a guest at the street fight and Trillbilly show i already told this story once on the show so i probably shouldn't be talking about it again but it was so good i i they like people to tell stories about bad bosses oh so i was like well i've got one of those Uh and like i had a whole room full of people just like calling for his head it was amazing Do do they know who he is maybe. I hope so. It was so cathartic. Oh my god. I hope so. It's it's the experience so nice I had to tell it twice. (laughs) So you're a writer. I do. For many mainstream publications that people have heard of. And I'm working on
2: my second my first and my second book right now which is really exciting so I've always wanted to write books. What what are the books? So the one I'm finishing is about cannabis and it's called Finding Your Higher Self and it's about Cannabis and self-care, and I know self-care can sound kind of goopy, but I basically am just writing about all the ways it can be applied for everyone based on its medicinal properties. It's super, super science shit, but very approachable about all the ways weed is awesome. I'm here for it. And that's out with Simon and Schuster in December 2019. And then I have another book called Sex Witch, and I am primarily a sex and relationship journalist and i also am an occultist i know a lot about the occult and so i'm writing a book called sex which That's a spell book but the sneaky trick is that it gives like actual love and sex and like research-based evidence and stuff but it, it kind of sneaks them into the form of spells and so it mixes really modern act- I, I i pitched it as like the love spell book that will actually work
1: there's a getting laid spell
2: yeah there's lots of getting laid spells
1: so this is pua for bushwick
2: Mm. What? <laughs> Wait, what does PUA mean? Pickup artist. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, it is. I always thought that uh, the ethical slut should be rewritten uh-huh. for like the PUA target audience. <laughs> so this- <laughs> that
0: ethical player.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. This might be something you and I have to do. Uh
0: oh. Uh oh. A Little competition with like you know all the Jordan Petersons of the world who want to be your daddy and tell you what to do to get laid.
1: Well, I mean, the ethical slut has a section in it about cruising that just gives you like pickup artist type techniques, but they're not they're not talked about like this is how you like trick program. a woman yes. into having
0: sex with you.
2: I
1: know her I think will. about
2: that a lot writing it, or it's like love spells. It's like how mm-hmm. to like we're talking about like bending someone's will, right? You know, or the idea of doing that.
1: So. Did you did you figure out what to do with that? or
2: I'm just doing it. It's, <laughs> I, I'm just being a little bit evil. I'm not even going to lie about it. Well,
1: it's going to come back threefold to you. I, I think you... I'm
2: okay. Yeah, there's a protection spell, too. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you thought of everything. You, you <laughs> there's defeated, a revenge section. <laughs>
1: you defeated oh the threefold return?
2: I am not
0: worried about it. All, All right. right. Wow, that's yeah. bold, Sophie. Yeah.
1: Hubristic.
0: <laughs> wow. You are a witch, so you probably know things that I don't. Um, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I told I told Sophie that I had the acid vision where I'm going to run for office someday. Lol. Oh yeah, no, she you, was you're like, "Going to?" And she was like, "Oh yeah, you are." I was like, "What are you talking <laughs> about?" She's like, "I'm a witch and I know things. It's true." Look, I, the three. I'm not. I'm
2: not harming anyone, which is why I'm not worried about the threefold. Uh-huh. I'm really not harming anyone. You're I, helping them.
0: Yeah. You're helping them have sex And, and with I you. have
2: disclaimers on all of this. And the truth is like, look, we all know you can't make people do shit they don't want to do. It's not like mm. I'm thinking. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair
0: enough. So I feel safe. So Sophie. Yes. You've written for a lot of mainstream publications. I also yes. know your politics are probably pretty, pretty far left. Yes. Although you're not like much of a public leftist, I would say. That's not it, like your main thing. Are you hiding? It. Are you hiding your leftist power level?
2: I kind of, I am. It's interesting because I minored in political science. I always wanted to be a political, si- a political reporter and then I became a sex reporter. And of course, like there's, and I'm sure we can talk about more of this later. There's tons, tons. The intersection between sex and politics is grand and I'm often writing about political topics even though I think like sex writing is taken more lightly. But I, yeah, I always, I've always studied politics. I was writing about politics in high school and like doing so with my local news station and I certainly stay abreast of it so perhaps i it's almost like when i don't i'm not secret because i'm open about my politics but i don't maybe i am actually secret and i don't worry about it because i don't write about it talk about it
1: well I, I read that the millennials are taking over playboy are the socialist millennials also taking over playboy
2: um i don't know i haven't been in their office i've only worked with one editor through email and i've never asked her about her p- political beliefs hmm. actually hmm. sorry yeah sorry to check no, like, it get out got it answer i'm curious now we need to investigate that
1: i think it was in the new york times
2: i saw that their their leadership was changing but wait did did they say something about the political no
1: no they just said it's all millennials now
2: oh oh wow that would make the make sense Mm -hmm. yeah that would make sense and they said that would be a good decision on their part some of the they had some dinosaurs there (laughs) yeah
1: and they said they're putting naked ladies back in good Mm -hmm. I'm i'm
2: pro naked ladies i think i think they really missed the mark When I took away the Naked Ladies. I mean, come on. Like I was like, people aren't mad. That's not why people... It's the content (laughs) or, like, you know, like, the way... You know, hire some fucking, like, female queer photographers to shoot them. Yeah, I mean, the Naked Ladies... That's all people really want.
0: The Naked Ladies could certainly use an update from what they used to be. Just these, like, oiled-up, 90s-looking, hairless, blonde, fake-titted... Super airbrush. Amazons. Yeah, but but I I don't know. I, I... date and fuck women and i am
2: aroused by the naked ladies and like them and when they just take them away it's like we're making this better for women i'm like what are you talking about i was
0: jerking off to that <laughs> like, uh, yeah <laughs> won't somebody think of the queer women exactly exactly yeah i'm just i'm saying they shouldn't take them out but they should maybe update them maybe show like a wider range of bodies oh they should definitely show a wider like range a, i mean a slightly cooler kind of photography maybe some art direction not even, like
2: tattoos and playboy
0: or yeah no yeah they should include let alone- some full
1: toilet <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You know it takes you all know. kinds to make a world. It does. That's Let's be inclusive. Representation matters.
1: Millennials love eating shit.
0: Mhm. I mean to you you would think so from the amount that we do it. From the way we're treated. By the boomers. Exactly. Yeah. Mountains and mountains of shit.
2: Ew. Sorry. Uh, I'm imagining... Oh,
0: is that too much for you,
2: Sophie? I'm just having... I just, like, have i I'm a really visual person, so I'm, like, enjoying <laughs> myself, like, eating the shit of some, like, sugar daddy dude now, and oh, it really no. makes me uh,
0: cringe. So. Sorry. Well, okay.
1: at least it'll be sugary sweet.
0: <laughs> Ew. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> oh, man. Let's never speak of it again. So... You wrote an article recently on relationship anarchy. Yeah. And I would like to talk a little bit about this because it kind of reminds me of some stuff I've read about family abolition, which we've talked about before on this show. So what's relationship anarchy? Why should we care?
2: Relationship anarchy holds all relationships to be of equal importance it is not necessarily a form of polyamory, but many polyamorous people then find relationship anarchy. And so, you know, whereas if you're poly or an open relationship, you might have more than one romantic partner and like sexual partner. Then you're like, these are the people I'm dating. And then you're friends and people don't talk about their family. I think that's a little taboo so much or another category, but relationships anarchist. It's like, we'll I'll have my lover and my boyfriend and my platonic life partner. And it, Like I know one relationship anarchist that I dated actually who married, you know, someone they don't even even have sex with. But it was this is like this is my nesting partner. This is who I cohabitate the best with, and so it was most practical for them to get married. Which I guess is like the future conservatives are really scared of. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but we but are yeah, abolishing yeah. the family. But yes, queer
2: people are getting married who aren't fucking just to have like the best possible living situation in New York City.
0: Wow. And then you give them the the right to marry, and this is what they do with it. Exactly. They make a mockery just of like our bourgeois thought. institutions, and. Um, yeah. And so this
2: person, I was fucking, I'd go over and we would have sex and we'd go on dates. It was romantic and sexual, but I like went out to brunch with their other partners and th- that wasn't limited to people who they were sleeping with. It, they considered anyone, you know, and they had romantic friendships, which I think is a really, really interesting concept.
1: What, what was that article that we read about like the poly party in, in Bushwick at Lot 45? Do you know that, art- oh, you that article? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Real poly hours. We
1: read it on the show. Who,
0: wh- who wrote it? Where is it? It was, where was it in? um like who are these magazine magazine or some shitty basically
1: it was a um it was was a hit piece it was like a designed
0: to make polyamorous people look ridiculous yeah oh wow and
1: and part of it was really talking about the um the kind of contractual and like rigid like rigid and subcultural nature of the whole thing Uh uh-huh um which is something like when i first learned about polyamory i understood it as pretty much what you're describing as like intimate relationships are good they're not all sexual Uh Um uh-huh people should have like this, good for them. People have more of them. Yeah. But then I did notice that as poly became more mainstream, oh yeah, there was this concept of like I've got a primary, and then well, and then we have like this le- like level, and it's all based on hierarchical sex.
2: poly. Well, that's the thing. And something else I've written about um, is about for Playboy, I've written about this for people who use since it's become so popular. Like I feel like there was like a tipping point where people people use it and don't really know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I've noticed people men I'll be like like straight men claiming to be poly but they're still lying about who the amount of people they're sleeping with or like how they're using condoms or all this stuff that you know is associate that still is ethical non monogamy or like cheating but because they like you know kind of like just like rolled out of like the orgy den at like Burning Man or like mm-hmm. polyamory I'm going to call myself polyamorous now but mm-hmm. then they don't actually work on like the ethical part of the non monogamy they're still just cheating and So I do think in like the road to like the mainstreaming of polyamory, we maybe should have had like more pause to be like, okay, what does this actually mean? Mm -hmm. And why was this created? And how do we keep it from like turning into what we created it not to be?
0: Man, tech bros ruin everything. (laughs) Just got to say that right now. Totally. Like everyone, it's it's interesting because the class divide was so apparent to me in this article. Uh Like this is the problem. I mean, this is the problem with just liberalism in general. People don't have a class analysis and wouldn't even think to have one. But it jumped out at me so hard because the poly people who seemed terrible were all like the rich tech bros and shit who thought they were being like super revolutionary by like fucking multiple people. And then... I know one of these people, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but he
2: has this place in the desert that's like a poly commune Like I'm I my politics are perfect. I'm such a feminist. But when you look and it's him and then like twelve gorgeous brunette women. Mm. And that's, you know, his name Charles. No. And they all fuck each other, but like, you know, they call it have you heard the one dick rule that can kind of happen in Poly? Oh <laughs> I have God. not heard and, the one dick yeah, rule. Yeah, where these dudes, these like they all are like rich polytech pros, like, end up kind of making just this. What is the word? What is the word if it wasn't polyamorous? Not cult, but you know, a almost a harem, a harem, exactly. Yeah, it's not poly, but they call it poly and then they think it's okay. That's polygamy,
0: That's yeah, name, poly.
2: or something, right? Pl- right, in totally, yeah.
0: And there's definitely some class dynamics there as well. Like,
2: oh, yeah, especially this guy I'm talking about is very wealthy, and most of the women it's outside of LA, and the women are like younger, like moved to LA to like be a star type. This
1: is just what this is literally just Manson, yeah. This is this is what oh. he did.
0: Oh, I wasn't gonna take it there, but like, yeah, maybe without the murder.
1: Well, the murder, you know, I mean, TBD, TBD,
0: (laughs) but like all the people in the article that I found relatable and normal and fine were the ones who were like, oh yeah, um, yeah, we all love each other. Also, we are sharing a house because we can't afford a house otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seems like there's a material basis, at least for some people, um, that, that changes the superstructure or the culture of how you're relating to one another.
2: Yeah, I mean, that plays a role in all types of relationships.
0: So it's interesting, right? Because on the one hand, like we have this um, this future ideal of like the commie future where we're all going to be like poly and have comrade love together and, um, you know, just fucking live it up. And there's a, there's got to be a material basis for that. Like we can't just move to that utopia without some kind of material support whether that's like oh you don't have to worry about where you're gonna live so who you're fucking won't determine like whether you have a house or whether you can eat and that frees that that gives you freedom on the other hand it's almost like we're experiencing opposite conditions right now in fucking neoliberal late hopefully late capitalism where People end up getting together and having these non-traditional relationships or non-traditional families um, because the material basis is so fucking terrible that you need to live like five people to an apartment in order to survive. Mm -hmm. But then that's not real freedom because you can't leave.
2: No, just like it's not real freedom or how many like monogamous couples move in together, especially in like somewhere like New York way quicker than they would or stay in like i've definitely stayed in a relationship that was like no 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 good Mm. yeah because we were living together and sharing the rent
0: yeah like wouldn't it be great if when you have to deal with the breakup um the worst shit that you have to deal with is like emotional and the question of where and how you're gonna live was not a part of it like that seems like a very clear connection between capitalism and sex and love yeah yeah
2: absolutely absolutely i mean so many ways phone plans um phone plans are 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 difficult if you ever try to get someone off your phone netflix accounts you know my ex-boyfriend still uses my netflix account oh my god from we broke up six years ago wow damn maybe he's trying to communicate we're we're, we're good friends we're good friends but the other day uh, i'm like calling people out but i lied about it the other day when a woman i was dating she was like oh who's like that account and i was like My sister. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Sophie. Wow. Now she's going to hear this. That's not ethical. It's not. I know. I'm not
0: perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. So I I, wanted to... Sorry. Go ahead. I wanted to push back a little on one thing, though, that the relationship anarchists say, which is that... um, You know, love is an infinite resource. There's no limits on the amount of love you could give. Um, I'm glad you brought this up. And I I don't think love is necessarily a limited resource, but the energy that we put into relationships certainly is. Oh, completely. And, you know, maybe we'll have more time for that when we're not all working 24-7 just so we can survive. But, like, this is a conversation I've had with some of my more, shall we say, conservative friends in the DSA who are like, um that just seems like too much energy, too much work. Like I can barely have a relationship with one person. Why you want to waste all that energy you could be spending, um, channeling it into productive forces. And I'm like, Hey guys, I don't know what you're doing this for, but I'm doing this so that I have more energy to, um, I don't know, like make macrame for my friends and shit. Yeah. I get, I mean, you know, there
2: people need to decide what they
0: want to do and maybe look at
2: why they want to do it. If that makes sense say more um i think some people really genuinely would better are only are better suited for monogamy or maybe genuinely get a ton of satisfaction out of their career their and their work but then other people just do it because that's what they think they're supposed to do Mm -hmm. so if it truly gives you pleasure if monogamy is truly best suited for your instincts and your impulses and if your work is something that truly gives you like a deep gratification or sense of community like by all means like spend as much time as you want on it but if i think there needs before we begin like kind of shuffling and putting things into order people there should be a self-reflection of how you actually want to spend your time
0: yeah, this is something I was trying to explain to Hassan the other day when I was on his stream. I really I really went off into some uh, crazy galaxy brain territory yeah. with him. Yeah, I was talking about um Michelle O'Brien's like beautiful envisioning for Pinko of how we're going to live after the rev. It was like sort of a utopian socialist uh, tract essay that took a lot from Fourier the famous utopian socialist um, who said the oceans are going to taste like lemonade and and like talking about the queer poly future and how we're all going to have, cause cause he asked me a question about incels and what to do with them. And I want to ask you that question as well, but it reminded me of something that Michelle O'Brien said um, during a talk when she presented this paper, which was um, people don't have sexual, they don't have a right to sex, but they still have a need for sex. And if we're creating a society where everyone's needs are being honored and fulfilled, we're going to have to figure out how to make that happen for them. Well, we should legalize sex work. Well, yeah, but like in a post-capitalist society, there wouldn't be sex work because there wouldn't be work. But I still think there's an argument to be made that that could be some kind of a vocation. But maybe I was about to say, with but like
2: yeah, therapy. but realistically like we could there would be some form of it,
0: I imagine. Of work?
1: Of sex work. Well, I, I don't think well, I guess the debate is, like, is sex really a need? I don't think it is. I think, like, physical intimacy is, is absolutely a need. I think
2: it's you person think it's to a person, name? 100%. Right,
1: right. You know, I there's
2: think... asexual people.
1: Yeah, there's asexual yeah. people who don't need it. So. But, yeah, sure. It's but... not like food.
2: Sure, but if you're not asexual, I think...
1: But if you're not asexual, you don't need it either.
2: No, I think it's a need. I, I'm, I'm not...
0: Um bad things will happen if i don't have sex. <laughs> yeah, like Michelle O'Brien was talking about being the experience of being like basically incel before she discovered her uh queer, kinky, life-saving, wonderful family that she has now and how terrible that feels inside and the experience of just being like so alone and without anybody to even touch you is like it we shouldn't we shouldn't give short shrift to that just because incels have done some really bad things and it's mostly dominated by like these angry young white dudes that it's easy to make fun of you know
1: but i just think physical intimacy is is some it will go a long way in that regard mm. it doesn't, I don't, like sex i think it's like another kind of realm beyond that that's just i'm, not,
2: cu- I'm like the, i don't know i don't think so i don't i mean i'm just speaking for myself though
1: like you you say bad things will happen but it's not you won't die like if you don't if there's no- but I'm
0: very uncomfortable. Yeah, I think we need to account for not just the physical needs, but the psychological needs of everyone in a community. And what Michelle O'Brien was saying was that um, some version of sex work, obviously not wage labor, but as a vocation, maybe somewhere between a sex worker and a therapist, um, the people who do these jobs for you know the people who for whatever reason can't get people to fuck them any other way or touch them or whatever they should be showered with praise and adulation and all of the ways that you can compensate people without you know without actual money or goods because everyone's going to have everything they need in that area and i don't know it sounds utopian it is utopian but i think it's kind of a nice way of solving that problem and hassan was not into it (laughs) What? Why not? Oh, the part that he wasn't into. I'm sorry. The part that he wasn't really that into was the idea that we're going to have these um, massive orgies led by, of course, LGBT people who know about consent more than everyone else. According to Michelle, there are parts of it that I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's just as much abuse in
1: LGBT. She's she's, she's talking about an intentional community, basically. Yeah. This is not just like how the world is going to work
0: yeah no like we're obviously it's Mm -hmm. not just gonna happen spontaneously like we're gonna plan it that way after we expropriate the built environment and move into buildings in uh units of about 200 Mm -hmm. and abolish the family as unit of consumption but not as a personal arrangement you can have whatever kind of personal arrangement you want and hassan's response to this was just like well i've had threesomes before (laughs) like that's fun and cool but like Any more than that is just, like, too much, man.
1: Wow, what a square. (laughs) I
2: disagree with him. I think the opposite is true. Oh, yeah? Three, not
0: enough. (laughs) Only three? (laughs) She's very advanced, folks. But I feel like oftentimes when there's more than three, you just, like, end up in pairs anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's like, there's too much going on.
2: I'm not trying to knock threesomes.
0: Oh, he also said that um, he doesn't really want anyone to watch him having sex, who's not like a part of the sex. And that seems like an inevitable thing that happens when there's more than three people. Yes. Well, he is correct. Well, maybe I told, I told him, I basically told him to get over it. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, maybe if you had been raised in like this queer poly future world, you would not have such hangups. And he had no comeback to that. Sounds like
1: a tense Twitch stream. (laughs) Are you guys okay now? I mean, I think so. No ice cream.
2: Yeah, that's, oh my God,
1: you didn't get your ice cream. Bad girl. I will collect
0: my ice cream and my orgy next time I go to Los Angeles. (laughs) I noticed he has a very nice pool in his apartment complex, so maybe we could put that to good use. (laughs) Cool. Oh my God, I'm being the worst right now. If he talked this way about me, it would like not be okay.
1: He's, yeah, he's going through worse things right now. Yo, so
0: like this chick came over and she was really (laughs) hot and we talked about sex and it was awesome. And maybe next time I go to New York, I'm going to fuck her (laughs) like that. That's like, that's basically what I'm doing right now. It's, it's not okay. Oops. Ouch. I'm calling myself in. You're kidding though. It's yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I can cut it out. I'm I'm totally kidding. This whole thing has been a really funny joke. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, um, but uh, back to orgies, yes. uh, we enjoyed your article about Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, you know, I, I, was, I would never go to something like that. But if I wanted to, uh, how how can I go?
2: Depends. I usually have plus ones, twos, or threes. Or you could become a member or apply for membership.
1: Okay. Well, I would never want one of the plus ones. But uh, maybe we would talk about that later. So Thanksgiving. I mean, we don't have to
2: have sex. <laughs> we could still go. And we could, I was at a sex party last night and I didn't have sex. I just hung out because all they were my friends.
1: But That's So nice. just to describe yeah. this. I mean, I
2: wasn't against it, but anyways, what, go ahead. Yeah, I feel what, like
1: it. What is Thanksgiving?
2: Thanksgiving is an event held by the Sex and Cannabis New York City Club NSFW, and it's Thanksgiving... But it's Thanksgiving because there's weed in all the food. But they get, like, a Michelin star chef to come and cook and bring you course after course of things like weed-infused octopus. Whoa. Now, is it the kind that gets you high or is it just CBD? Um, for anyone on the record listening, it's just CBD. But for everyone else, it's the kind that gets you high. Oh, shit. Yeah.
0: So uh, how how was it? was it like?
2: It was really special. Um, it was really cool. These... NSFW are people that I met years ago when I was reporting on sex and cannabis because they're two of my beats and now they've become some of my really good friends and now the clubhouse is based out of Soho but at the time it was this big warehouse in Chelsea and I couldn't um, I wasn't with family that Thanksgiving so I was like what am I gonna do but I sat in a sex club which is very lavishly beautifully decorated and just had plates of weed food brought to me with all of my friends around a big table. It was wonderful. It was it was, so was nice. really loving actually.
0: It kind of reminded me of again the idea that you can find your family in a way that's not bonded by oh, blood for sure. necessarily, which ties back into family abolition. Like like I, I got the same feeling at camp sometimes when we yeah. were just like having communal meals or communal drinks or karaoke or whatever like it feel it feels a little bit like a kind of prefigurative politics yeah, and, and i know that that on its own is never going to be enough to like make the rev happen but it still feels important
2: well i think it's a start i think it's important you know and types places like that are self-reliant like everyone you know i, I didn't pay for the meal but like members are people ones who offer up their their homes to be used for it you know, I think if we want the rev to happen, it will be helpful for us already to kind of know who it calls
0: to call afterwards. Yeah, It's like which came first, the chicken or the exactly. egg. Exactly. Like, yeah.
1: And what is the connection between the weed and the orgy?
2: They both feel good <laughs> and they feel good when you mix them together. Two great tastes that taste, the taste <laughs> great it's together. as simple as that.
1: Didn't she write a book about this?
2: Yeah. What more do you want to know? <laughs> um, I mean, I can tell you if you want. I can be like, oh, well, then the CBD stimulates the blood flow and reduces yes. inflammation, <laughs> and it reduces pain without numbing you out. And it can be applied topically or ingested orally. And the physical like sensation of touch and 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 sight is enhanced and altered. So sex just feels a lot better for people, and it can reduce like anxiety. Um, so there's that. It's it's you know it's funny. I do this for a living, and I write like whole articles on like on like why sex feels good and sometimes i really just wish i could be like it feels good because you're high <laughs> <laughs> you're high that's that's all folks yeah.
0: <laughs> but this is exactly the kind of granular nerdy detail that people come to the antifada for so thank you for humoring us you're welcome
2: you're welcome um yeah sex on weed and my experience is wonderful and just be careful not to overdo it start small and edibles are great for a body high i would mm. start with five milligrams though because mm. if you do too much it's harder to come down however if you need to come down a trick of the trade is pure cbd can lower with mm-hmm. your the effects of thc on you so keep like mm-hmm. a vial of a cbd tincture around you and
0: if you get too yes. high just put some under your tongue mm. god i really could have used that trick so many really? times in the past i don't fuck with edibles anymore because i just I had love too many bad experiences every time i get so way so much too high it lasts for like two days i can't do fucking anything i get scared like
2: it's bad that's happened to me i'm i'm very very responsible in my dosing like i i dose i'm always under high
0: like, boy, Jamie gave Good. me one of his weed candies. Did you eat the whole thing? No, I ate, like, less than half of it. And it was still... T- I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat this weed candy and get sleepy, because that's what he likes to do with them. And then I got I got so high, I wasn't... I couldn't sleep at all. I can't sleep on I weed. stayed up all night watching Girls, and I don't even like that show.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. I don't use... Like, you asked if I was stoned. Like, I'm more likely to be, like, high now than, than like, to take it at like 10 p.m. because i don't sleep well if i'm stoned it's like very activating and creative and energetic for me Mm. and but it's really good for social anxiety
0: i just really need a kind that i can use to press the go to sleep button because i'm kind of a shitty sleeper sometimes me too that's why i have ambien though and that's why i'm wearing these
2: boots i'm wearing ridiculous um stripper ziggy stardust red oh yeah boots from
0: ebay that yeah, i bought when i was on
2: ambien we'll
0: have to take a photo yeah. so all the fans can see that you're telling the truth
2: i was at first i was going to dress down for this i just put on the sweatshirt but then i put on the sparkles and then i put on the boots and then i put on the lipstick
0: yeah you're not one that i have ever known to dress down sophie <laughs> this is I dressed down. <laughs> i haven't yeah. showered yet this is your uh sunday Lazy afternoon sunday. look exactly which is still quite fabulous thank you thank so you. good job you ambien, look great Sophie. great too oh i thank you I
1: and feel so do like, like you. I Thank feel like you. that's not. I wish Thank I could you. tell your
0: clothes were for a
2: dumpster more, but they don't look <laughs> like it at all.
1: <laughs> this is one of my last dumpster outfits. Less dumpster. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If I'm looking fly, you know that's the dumpster
0: outfit. <laughs> <laughs> we all look fly right now. It's good. So, um, sex and capitalism. What else? What else? Um, oh I, God! Yeah, that's such a. a problem. What do we do with them?
2: Again, I'm I'm really pro sex work for this reason but i also i don't know i'm gonna sound like a dick like i don't they're i mean maybe they should just like get the fuck off reddit or stop shooting people and like go join a club or something not to sound redundant or redacted well yeah
1: i mean it's it's i think that their their issue isn't just that they're not having sex it's that they're lonely they don't have a community and and they feel like they feel like the most important thing in their lives the only thing that can give them the validity is getting laid,
2: and then it becomes confirmation bias. You know, they mm-hmm. create like this society yeah. and club built on "well, we're ugly, women hate us, women only like what, what Bretts or whatever they call it, Brads, Chads, Chads, Brad's. Chads." <laughs> Shit, I just fucked someone named Chad. Actually,
1: <laughs> did he look like Chad from the yeah, meme? Probably. Yeah. He
2: yeah. He looks very. Oh god, damn it! He's gonna. Don't listen to this.
1: <laughs> wanna, I'll cut it out if you want me to. No, you can leave. It's funny. All right, all right.
2: Um, Is he a hunk? Yeah, but yeah.
0: I feel like Hassan's a Chad.
2: Yeah, he, no, he totally is. Yeah. He
0: totally is. I I'm not normally into guys who like work out like crazy people, but like he's alright.
2: No, I'm not normally into people like this guy, but something about it. Oh. Oof. <laughs> um, but
1: But you also fuck the virgin character, right? Like you can go either way. The virgin. In the meme?
2: You have not seen this meme, have you? I have seen it. I just don't <laughs> I don't I don't think that <laughs> I mean, I'm not an idiot. I know that there's beauty standards that everyone is subjective to, but I don't think that you have to look like Chad to get laid. I think mm-hmm. that's no false, ugly people completely. get
0: laid every single day,
2: and it's not probably just that. like a million it's of those like are having sex right and, now. Exactly, exactly. It's no. I think I there's no. I think they're just like misogynistic soci- sociopaths.
1: But it's not only. That, I mean that for sure. But my point from before is that I think. Part of the problem is this centrality of sex to self worth. Uh, oh, like, like, like I think a lot of a lot of the messages you get uh, when you're growing up, especially as a man, uh-huh. is if you're not getting laid, or if you get laid too late, or if the person you're having sex with isn't like the person, the most attractive person to you or to your friends, then you're like knocked down. And I just think I think like that in itself is a big problem it's not just the beauty standards um it's it's like a deeper problem yeah where sexuality is so central to all our relationships that's the problem well
0: that sounds like the wrong reasons to be wanting or needing sex but
2: i do believe those are put on you from an early age especially
0: men yeah like we need to change the culture to not make people feel that way but that doesn't mean that people won't still have sexual needs
1: but I think it's as easy as just teaching people instead that you can that you can love a lot of people and not necessarily have or, sex with them, or
0: it could change the way you
2: approach it. You know, it seems like these guys are like just hitting like the extreme button on this. If there wasn't such pressure felt to begin with, perhaps that could release some of the tension. No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do with the end cells. I
0: mean, we certainly need to like expand our standards for beauty and fuckability. I think like everybody struggles with this in our society, but also like, I'm not stupid. Like I'm sure there will still be some people who people want to fuck more than other people. Yeah. And we need to, I think we need to deal with that. I think Michelle O'Brien's right. I think, uh, Fourier was right. He was concerned about these, uh, gangs that these roving gangs of amorous youth just like ravaging the countryside amorous youth. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was really real. Um, but okay, this kind of brings me to my partially formed thesis that I'm going to drop now. You go guys ahead. ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys ready? So I guess we should get into this. I want to do a whole episode on Alexandra Tie's work, particularly on sex and love.
1: Maybe we should just go for it. And at some point we'll cut into a bonus. All right. To be determined later. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: So, um, Kolontai, to give you a little background, um, I had Sophie read this essay for the first time mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get her take on it because she is a sex writer and an organic intellectual of sorts. Yes, I am an intellectual. And yes. um, So Colin Tai was writing this this, this famous essay, um, Make Way for Winged Arrows, A Letter to Working Youth. Um, I talked about this on Hassan's show too, actually. So I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, She was writing uh, at the end of the Civil War in Russia. So what was that, 1923? And... So this was a time of great upheaval for people in Russia, um, and she said it kind of uh, broke down these traditional bonds of marriage, monogamy, even patriarchy, like all this old shit. It was going away. Um, men and women, She she's like mostly writing about heterosexual relationships here um she wasn't like a homophobe or anything but she just like wasn't really thinking about lgbt yeah i I noticed that in it yeah i was i mean i i I am an
2: lgbt we weren't part of the the narrative back then
0: oh yeah no i mean it was the early 20s but they did make some reforms for um for lgbt people back even in the fucking 1920s before uh stalin Hmm. rolled everything back and became very conservative but anyway um People were sort of having these, like, meaningless hookups. That's called wingless arrows. It's like, oh, you find someone on Tinder, you fuck them, you never talk to them again. I mean, they didn't have Tinder back then, but... but same, you know, yeah. You know, same, same vibe. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then the Civil War was over. People were trying to rebuild society, maybe, like, get some crops growing. They weren't in as much danger for their immediate survival. And people were starting to be interested in love and sex again in a way that was more than just um, just the, the wingless kind. People were interested in love. People were, they were reading novels, she said. They were reading these amorous novels. Like, I mean, I, I should read some of this because it's like really, it's really good prose. But um, she was saying, hey, um, this isn't a sign of weakness, actually. This is a sign of strength. And these these old institutions have been wiped away. And this gives us a chance to rebuild a new kind of culture around sex and love that serves the needs of the revolution. And what she came up with here was winged eros, or kind of comradely, comrade love, where people, it's basically like being polyamorous. Like Mm -hmm. people have, can have multiple partners and it's not meaningless. No, it's also feminist. There was a level of respect that seemed inherent to my interpretation. Yeah, she said like women's liberation is an important aspect of this. Because people need to be truly free in their decisions of who to associate with. And that actually tracks really well with some research done by this writer, Kristen Godsey, who wrote about how women had better sex under socialism because men actually had to be interesting or good lovers. (laughs) If um, women's material needs were taken care of and they didn't need to rely on them for that. Yeah. Right. sounds pretty fucking good. Right. She actually somehow got access to like orgasm data.
2: Wow. And found
0: out that women on in, on the Eastern side of the wall, had more orgasms than people on the Western side of the wall.
2: I I believe it. I 100% believe it.
0: Yeah. 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 So where is I going with this? Yeah. So we can rebuild these new kinds of bonds that are ultimately subservient to your love for the collective. But um, these bonds you have with other people are not meaningless. They're meaningful. And that actually tracks with a lot of what I read about in Sex at Dawn, too, by Christopher Ryan, about how human beings lived for the majority of our history, um you you read that book right yeah yeah which was um a form of i don't want to say primitive communism because that's a very loaded term but like just like an earlier form of communism but it was so not it just
2: was just how we humans naturally organize themselves too
0: yeah Yeah. i mean and we we evolved to be that way because not because we were particularly good people Uh but that's because it's how we survived yeah and what i take from that is oh and and I should also say that we're just as closely related to the bonobo, Mm -hmm. which is a horny, peaceful vegetarian monkey as we are to the chimpanzee, which is like a good model for like the Hobbesian view of Mm -hmm. human nature. So what I take from that is that humans, I mean, obviously we're terribly complex and everyone is different, but we have within us the capacity to live in a communal way when there's a survival impetus involved. And I think it's very argu—it's it's very very arguable that we have that now again. So that's why I'm somewhat optimistic that we're going to be able to make this happen.
2: I mean, just speaking from looking at it socially, from a sex perspective, we're definitely more headed in that direction than ever before. And I really—I mean, I appreciated that essay for a, a slew of reasons. But I mentioned this earlier; it it did not undermine the role sex and love play in, you know, create in, in systems and capitalism in, in any form of government in maintaining classes. And when people, I, I, I think people are being, are being tricked to, to write such relationships off and such power structures off as, as petty or secondary and should perhaps re- re-examine how much they do play a role in, yeah, the way they engage with the world politically
0: absolutely and okay so this brings me to my final question here Mm -hmm. um within this half form thesis i'm sure we'll continue to talk for a little bit as we do as we tend to do um and my thesis is we are living in times of similar upheaval right now um not from civil war but um the old institutions patriarchy the bourgeois family the church they're breaking down um Partly due to bad reasons like neoliberalism. Neoliberal capitalism has no use for this kind of family arrangement anymore. So it doesn't give a shit about it now. Whereas before it kind of propped up capitalism. So it did. Um, And some of the reasons are good. Like feminism and struggles for queer liberation. So given these facts and given that the ethos of this phase of capitalism is pretty much YOLO. Do whatever you want. um, How do we build something new new? Better and also more subversive than what we had before.
2: Um, we have to take the power away from the men. <laughs> oh yeah, honestly, yeah, we have to put like queer women in charge, just like you said about the orgies. It, that should be true for the whole the whole system, in my right? Opinion. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think everyone would still be accounted for. I just think like divisions of power would be a- actually. Um, properly organized, if that was the case,
0: and I feel bad for saying that. I feel like a bit of a gender essentialist, you know. Like, if women ruled the world, there would be no wars because, like, that's demonstrably false. But like, also, this is going to require a complete paradigm shift from old humans to new humans. Well, the
2: thing is that sorry to people like women ruling the world like wouldn't translate into like a matriarchy ident- identical to what we had now. Like, if women people say that like, because the women were given power, we would have like this like more of what this common utopian we joke about because that's just i think the inherent i don't know you don't think so Mm,
0: i feel like it's a function of power i guess it depends who you're talking to and if you know if we if we lived in a matriarchy and we had always lived in a matriarchy women would probably be just as shitty to men as men are to women right now but if we're looking at the transition Uh which is something that Is tricky to think about But I think really important We talk about this a lot On this show Um, In the transitional period In the transitional process It makes sense To have people Who have historically Been marginalized um leading the charge and leading the transition um i I mean we talked with um some of our friends from pinko recently about how um queer people of color especially have been historically excluded from these institutions from like the bourgeois family or whatever and they have they just have more experience forming families that are not through blood so like why wouldn't we look to them for leadership in this area
2: it's true I, i completely agree with that good yeah i don't know i don't have much to add but yes let's do that i'll take it i mean this is
1: like obviously kind of i don't know it's kind of like settled in socialism like that's that's why it's cool to remember colin is that the these aren't like new ideas that this is this was apparent to earlier revolutionaries. Well, yeah. there
0: are certainly people who disagree with Cole and Ty. Like I've got friends in DSA who like some people have, there are leftists with a conservative streak and there's open. They don't disagree with streak. the
1: idea that like, you know, the socialist movement needs to have a lot of leadership. Back oh no. White men. You not know, not everyone that one. That.
0: People agree on that. But like on the, on the sex tip, on the poly tip, mm-hmm. like I had a friend of mine say to me just the other day, um, individualism, self-expression, um, just doing whatever you want, personal fulfillment—that's a bourgeois ideology, and that really doesn't have any place in the commie future. And no, I was like, I mean,
1: there's a lot of a lot of Marx that would refute like the extreme, like death of individualism stuff. There, there's there's definitely the individual exists in Marx, so
0: so there yeah
1: (laughs) i mean that's another topic i guess
0: but like even on the sex tip too there's always been like this socially reactionary strain on the left that we still have with us to this day unfortunately and it just seems so like obviously counterproductive to our goals (laughs) also i agree
1: (laughs) but i think that reaction comes from sexual liberation was recuperated by capitalism by yeah. neoliberalism
0: well that's why i asked but it um, doesn't mean
1: that sexual liberation was like an inherent like it was a neoliberal plot or something like that
0: yeah that's why i asked you know how what does it look like to even have a subversive form of relating to one another when the dominant ethos is do whatever the fuck you want all the time
1: but you can't do whatever you, you want because you have to work
0: oh
2: or also i, I mean do it upon you... a very
0: important <laughs> fact
2: what and that plays such a role in everything it plays a role in who we date and and our based on I don't know the hours were available and, and the money we make depending on what you're it's everything.
1: Yeah, I mean you, you can be gay uh and like go to the the gay party and the gay club if you ha- you can afford it, you have enough time, whatever, but if you're if you don't, you have to like have find like the bathroom or like the glory yeah. hole to have sex and it's like way less safe, it's way less easy.
2: Or there's still like or there's still going to be like a, a woman who like marries for money and not because she's a bad person or an evil mm-hmm. because she makes, makes less and needs and, and needs a pl- and doesn't have family money and does and, and has to, it's survival, mm-hmm. you know, it's become,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a form of coercion. Exactly. And like, okay, Colin Tai says, um, she, Colin Tai has an interesting part. Okay. Cause we talk a lot about sex work on the left and there are definitely some of those social reactionaries that I talked about who think that sex work should be either uh criminalized completely or uh only partially decriminalized along the swedish model because yeah. they think that it commodifies um love and sex it commodifies your body uh, and
2: i can't i can't in a say way that, that's though. like
0: special versus other forms of labor where you use your body which just seems like obviously untrue to me but um let me read you what she has to say about prostitution uh this is like on the on the site of wingless arrows So in the course of the thousand year history of human society, love has developed from the simple biological instinct, the urge to reproduce mm, questionable, which is inherent in all creatures from the highest to the lowest into a most complex emotion that is constantly acquiring new intellectual and emotional aspects. Love has become a psychological and social factor. Under the impact of economic and social forces, the biological instinct for reproduction has been transformed in two diametrically opposed directions. On the one hand, the healthy sexual instinct has been turned by monstrous social and economic relations, particularly those of capitalism, into unhealthy carnality. The sexual act has become an aim in itself, just another way of obtaining pleasure through lust sharpened with excesses and through distorted harmful titillations of the flesh a man does not have sex in response to healthy instincts, which have drawn him to a particular woman. A man approaches any woman, though he feels no sexual need for her in particular with the aim of gaining his sexual satisfaction and pleasure through her. Prostitution is the organized expression of this distortion of the sex drive. If intercourse with a woman does not prompt the expected excitement, the man will turn to every kind of perversion. Like what, what, what's she talking about here? I didn't like that part. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? But like just the idea that, uh, sex could be commodified by capitalism. Like, like think about the sexual revolution and like the shit that it got us was like playboy, you know, like uh, capitalism knows how to recuperate anything good that ever happens. Capitalism and patriarchy for that matter. So like the but the answer to it is not to like make people put their clothes back on. No, the answer isn't.
2: Yeah. To become to, um, you know, demonize the morality of, or, or of certain consensual sex acts i mean can can men objectify and just like fuck a woman just because you want to like bust a nut for sure but i like to i don't think um i i think sex work is far more complicated than that i think people of all genders are have had sex just because they wanted to get laid i don't agree with like the binary aspect of that statement and i don't necessarily agree that there's anything wrong with it as long as it's what's going on has is both parties are aware of it It definitely seems a little judgmental. Yeah, but she's
0: she says right in the end, she's creating a new sexual morality for the for after the rev. I don't think that's going to work. I mean, I think we I think do I think
2: like the idea of winged arrows works and is beautiful. Yeah, but I think I I don't think I think it's the at least in my opinion, like the church has kind of proved that all attempts to regulate sexual morality just lead to, you know, hypocrisy.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think we also have to look at the fact, though, that these urges were not created in a vacuum. So like if someone's like, oh, I'm just really into commodified sexuality. That's just my thing. It's just my kink like that. You, you grew. We live in a society. And I think there's a difference between like analyzing where these urges come from and how they're mediated by capitalism, and saying like that's bad. We should force people to like something different. You know,
2: should, should I read some more of this? Yeah, read a part th- that we like. <laughs> Let's read a part that we like.
0: All right, fair enough. Yeah, there's there's better parts and worse parts to this. No,
2: that was a good. I mean, that passage stuck with me for sure. I'm glad you brought well, it up. comradeship but... is good,
1: right?
0: Yeah. 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 Love comradeship. Okay. The new communist society is being built on the principle of comradeship and solidarity. Solidarity is not only an awareness of common interests. It depends also on the intellectual and emotional ties linking the members of the collective. For a social system to be built on solidarity and cooperation, it is essential that people should be capable of love and warm emotions agree mm-hmm. the proletarian ideology therefore attempts to educate and encourage every member of the working class to be capable of responding to the distress and needs of other members of the class of a sensitive understanding of others and a penetrating mm, consciousness of the individual's relationship to the collective all these warm emotions sensitivity compassion sympathy and responsiveness derive from one source they are aspects of love not in the narrow sexual sense but in the broad meaning of the word Love is an emotion that unites and is consequently of an organizing character. The bourgeoisie was well aware of this, and in the attempt to create a stable family, bourgeois ideology erected married love as a moral virtue. To be a good family man was, in the eyes of the bourgeoisie, an important and valuable quality. The proletariat should also take into account the psychological and social role that love, both in the broad sense and in the sense of relationships between the sexes, can and must play, not in strengthening family marriage ties but in the development of collective
1: solidarity. That's what I'm talking about. I think that this this kind of centralization of sex as like the meaning of life in a way is tied to the idea of the bourgeois nuclear family mm-hmm. and marriage.
0: You sound like a relationship anarchist.
1: Yeah, you I, do. I think I might be. I might be a relationship border Oh,
0: mm-hmm. shit. Making discoveries <laughs> that most people don't understand. Do you want
2: me just to talk on that?
1: Yeah. yeah. Speak on it.
0: Speak on it. So
2: what was your takeaway that you are a relationship anarchist? That the centralization... Oh, no, I
1: just I just totally agree with this because I think that love has been collapsed into sex and sex has collapsed into these ideological relationships. And that drives people crazy because they connect their worth as a worker or like where they are in the social hierarchy to uh, what kind of relationship they can get. Yeah. And they're not just looking for true intimacy or true love or community because they don't see those, like, warm forces, as Colin Tye describes them. as I mean, it's hard under capitalism because things become so atomized and sterilized. Uh, but that kind of solidarity, I think, is, like, the basis for having, like, good love and eventually good sex too. Like, I think you need to have the real, a real kind of human community first.
2: Well, I mean, this is, like, a polyamorous principle that I think is, like, also very communist. And I think that all, and people could benefit from even if you aren't poly. Because I do think it's important to note that not everyone is poly. We've kind of... They call it like poly preaching. Like, this is the best thing and this is like the right answer. I think it's worth for everyone to inspect to consider whether like a life of monogamy is for them and how to... But poly is definitely difficult and has its own challenges.
1: Under under relationship anarchy, you can be monogamous. You can have like one sexual partner and still love all the people. Well, that's what I want to talk
2: about. Yeah, because I don't necessarily call myself a relationship anarchist, but like I know that I am a lot healthier with like the people I'm sleeping with and who I'd like to have a romantic relationship with. If I have solid emotional support from my community, like I'm not going to become like super clingy. I'm not going to expect everything of them. You know, if a problem comes up I'm not going to blow up their phone, cause I have friends for that. I have like collaborators for that. I have comrades for that. I have people for that. And I know that if this sexual experience or romantic relationship doesn't like last, it's not like the end all be all of like my, mental health and my emotional well-being so I already have a community in place that's there's you're right there's plenty of love there and so you know you can get that through a lot of ways you can get that through through friends through you know people you consider brother and sisters through romantic partners through platonic romantic partners through sex partners yeah but but I'm I'm into the idea of having a built-in structured community that can you know beyond financial needs provide emotionally and socially and i do think that makes us fuck better
0: absolutely yeah. dead ass yeah as i might say fuck yeah <laughs> so um let's read a little bit more of this i i think that's a really good point actually because care isn't always your yeah yeah it's not always just your material circumstances totally. and the idea of collective care that we would be collectively responsible for everyone in society is very important to socialism and it doesn't just apply to your physical needs no
2: and that's why it's winged and not wingless
0: exactly we must have bread and we must have roses too so um okay a little more a little more of this and then we'll finish it out Uh where do I start where do I start Uh, at the present moment we stand between two cultures and at this turning point with the attendant struggles of the two worlds on all fronts including the ideological one the proletariat's interest is to do its best to ensure the quickest possible accumulation of sympathetic feelings in this period the moral ideal defining relationships is not the unadorned sexual instinct sorry tinder people but the many faceted love experience of love comradeship in order to answer the demands formulated by the new proletarian morality, uh-oh, these experiences must conform to three basic principles. One, equality in relationships, an end to masculine egoism, and the slavish suppression of the female personality. Hey, hey, get Ooh. it, girl. Mm-hmm. Two, mutual recognition of the rights of the other, of the fact that one does not own the heart and soul of the other, the sense of property encouraged by bourgeois culture. True. Mm-hmm. And then three comradely sensitivity the ability to listen and understand the inner workings of the loved person bourgeois culture demanded this only from the woman true yeah don't make the girls do all the work guys but in proclaiming the rights of winged eros the ideal of the working class at the same time subordinates this love to the more powerful emotion of love duty to the collective however great the love between two members of the collective the ties binding the two persons to the collective will always take precedence will be firmer more complex and organic Bourgeois morality demanded all for the loved one. The morality of the proletariat demands all for the collective. Hot take. Hot take.
2: Yeah. I, I I think there are people trying out communities like that. Yeah, it was I I think it could be really beautiful. It kind of requires a mental shift. I think like the thought of having your partner be everything, you know, and you're one and only is is really more deeply ingrained. Than us, and us, than we like to think. But I am really happy. Thank you for having me on here because I don't think these, the, these dynamics within leftist politics are discussed enough but i think they play a major role
0: absolutely and i think also there's a lot of leftists out there who maybe have good politics but aren't really willing to examine very closely the ways things like patriarchy have intruded in their own personal yeah, lives maybe and behavior they
2: should re-examine how maybe they're like really fucking people in a capitalist fashion And right? <laughs> yeah gotta and kill just, the absolutely. boss in your head you know yeah
0: totally oh my god and i feel so bad i didn't get to this one but i just want to mention that you wrote a really good article about um Hurricane sex and uh, how it's creating a public health crisis. This seems important, right? Yeah,
2: I will talk about it really quick. Um, yeah. So I'm just a quick background. I'm from the Virgin Islands, and my dad and my stepfamily still live there. And I grew up like I survived a few, you know, house ruining, no electricity for for months, no cable for years, really bad hurricanes as a child. So I know I wasn't having sex back then, but. The U.S. Virgin Islands are beautiful places, but they're totally, completely colonized. There's just not the same level of aid. And after Hurricane Anne Maria in 2017, like the ports weren't open, so nothing was coming in. All the hospitals on island and health centers were non-existent, just didn't exist. And the Red Cross takes forever to get there. Never give your money to to the Red Cross ever. Mm -hmm. Give it to a local organization, but... There is no road lights. People didn't have clean water or ways to get around. Um, So anyways, and there's strict curfews put in place after hurricanes because the roads are so dangerous and um, the crime is does go up very high. But I just want to say that the national like the mainstream news are so fucking racist about that whenever after hurricane they're like looting is everywhere. And it's like, you know, pictures of like black people going into stores. I'm like, I there you're not giving us any food motherfucker like and i I say me i know i'm not black but i am a virgin islander and it is really important to me that looting and like the crimes that take place after take place after hurricane are given a a a thorough examination that these are people just getting food not out you know just because they like feel like fucking robbing yeah exactly but there are no condoms after a hurricane it's not like the red cross brings condoms and also domestic violence goes up really really high because violence in general goes up because everyone's fucking insane and has just been through this traumatic experience and there's very limited resources but also like so many houses and homes get destroyed that people the place there you would go to stay you can't normally stay anymore so you end up just being like stuck in the dark with your abuser and i profiled after sorry i'm really talking loops around this but after the hurricanes i flew down I got a condom company to step onto me with, with two duffel bags filled with condoms and I'm passed them out in St. Thomas because everyone fucks, everyone fucks. And there's a lot of people that come there and kind of like disaster, is There's like disaster sex tourism a little bit. Oh God. And yeah. And a lot of like the line man, the men who fix who like the female workers, who fix electricity are doctors are coming down there and getting local women pregnant. And you know, again, nothing wrong with sex, but, there's no abortion services there's no health care services if you got pregnant during a hurricane and wanted to keep the baby like there's no prenatal care so there's this phenomenon that I never saw talked about in the mainland of hurricane babies where there's just this dramatic spike in pregnancies during a hurricane and then like absolutely like no health care reproductive care to to deal with this and I wrote about that for for playboy and I've been thinking about it a lot because hurricane season is upon us. I think the Bahamas just got completely destroyed.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like uh, one of, one of the towns I heard about, that had like one central store in the town, and yeah. that and it's just gone. And so everyone's just—they're leaving and they have no plans to come back. Like everything. So I had so any
2: friend that I had in two thousand when Hurricane Irma and Maria—they really got the Virgin Islands and the in Puerto Rico in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, any friend I knew that had the means to leave island left island, Mm -hmm. and all my friends that are still down there are working new jobs, like like mostly like bartenders who worked somewhere else, but now it just doesn't exist. It it fucks up most things down there. But yeah, access to reproductive health care is like something that no one's even talking about or thinking about.
1: Matt, the article reminded me of, um, fortunately, New York hasn't been hit by a hurricane in a few years, although uh-huh. we had two in a row in the, the early 2010s, I think.
2: I was there for, here for these. Yeah, and yeah. there
1: was this kind of uh, attitude, especially like in Bushwick, which is like a high ground and there, there was not the mandatory evacuation that other parts of the city got of like, this will be cool. Let's have a hurricane party.
2: And that's oh, a yeah. thing. 40s. We definitely had a hurricane that's a thing. party. My dad, because like in the, before it hit the Bahamas, um, is it Damien? Dor- Dorian mm-hmm. Hurricane Dorian yep. one of the Virgin Islands but it was only like a category one and so I'm you know texting my friends and family and they're all just like sending me gifts that say hurricane party like it's mm-hmm. you know they, it, everywhere does it they just got drunk and like watch the storm
1: yeah and so uh, it, it re- so your article reminded me of both like how people kind of come together and make the best uh, uh-huh. of a situation like this you know that you know supporting one another and trying to have some fun but then also there's this kind of like uh Like I remember after one of them, I had like a hurricane party and had a great time. Um, And then I left the next day for a flight and it was at Newark and I went through New Jersey and New Jersey was devastated.
2: Oh, really? Like the
1: suburbs right outside the city were badly flooded. The rail was down and we just didn't think about it because we were just like having so much fun in the high grounds.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I had a similar experience uh, with my hurricane party. We invited over our friends who'd been evacuated from where they lived and we just like, had a root and toot and good time and then we went down to the rockaways a day or two after to help out and it was just destroyed where we we helped out we actually volunteered at um the gravesend houses in coney island but we also drove around the rockaways and it was like so fucked up i'm like maybe we shouldn't have had a party about this like i felt kind of weird about it after
1: okay you just have to remember that these disasters affect people in different ways
0: oh yeah absolutely But I think what the article really gets at, too, is, like, free love is not equally available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And the problem with free love, even when, like, the fucking tech bros do it, it's not that... Some people get to do it, just like when we were talking about drugs with Sophie, like the problem with drugs and rave culture is not that um, some of you guys are doing drugs because you're privileged. The problem is that that is not available to everybody Mm -hmm. who wants it. And that's what we need to do. No,
2: condoms are a luxury. So many countries, the access to condoms is very restricted or the prices are so high that it's just a luxury item. Um, That's something I think probably a lot of us take for granted.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, I think we're all
2: yeah. out of time. Well, thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. Yeah, thank you so for much for here. coming, Sophie.
0: Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug before we go?
2: Yeah, you can follow me at The Bowie Cat and buy my books. One's coming out this December, the one about weed, finding your higher self. And if you can remember this in all the way of fall 2020, then my book Sex Witch comes out. And you hear that, folks? explore
0: more of these themes. Buy the Book. Oh, also, um I'm going to do a plug for our show. Can I announce this now? we going to announce
1: it. Yeah, we forgot to announce it. We but.
0: forgot to announce it. So, okay, um, October 12th at Littlefield, the thing you've all been waiting for, the Goth Socialist Variety Hour. <laughs> oh <laughs> my <with laughs> god! The anti <Antifada. laughs> <laughs> you fucking pod. Me? Damn, motherfucking America! <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so good. We got me, Jamie Peck. We got Andy, new nickname forthcoming. Oh we got Jake, God. motherfucking Flores. Sophie,
2: Alex, but there.
0: I now I have to be. Are you kidding me?
2: With
1: some edibles for everybody.
0: Yeah, I'll bring my weed pills. Oh okay. hell yeah! It's <laughs> gonna be uh, green pills. Yeah, a musical exactly. elements <laughs> to this. There's wow. Yeah, uh, some sketches.
1: Yeah. I think. Special guests. The the special guests you want to see.
0: Oh yeah, big time. Big time. All of our goth socialist friends.
1: October 12th, Littlefield, wear black.
0: Definitely, definitely wear black.